0: If we, uh, if we did our preaching like that 2020 presentation, you'd have to keep up. The preacher would be exhausted, but we'd all be finished in six and a half minutes. You <coughs> can get a lot done in that time. Um, really pleased to be with you again. I know it's been quite a while since I was here, um, but I, as Stuart said, I have the joy of meeting with him and Mel and the leaders, so I kind of feel like I'm in touch a lot more um, with the church um, and don't often get to be here on a Sunday, partly because of the traveling, partly because of the responsibilities at our church in Birmingham. So I'm just grateful to be with you again, um, and especially in your new home, which I realize you've been here for a while, but it is very nice. Um, and Stuart, thank you so much for the opportunity of uh, being able to do that presentation again. Um, that's the work that I'm involved with. Obviously, there's teams of others who help. Um, and obviously, in terms of the offering, that's partly why Stuart showed it. But just to have more people aware of what Jesus is doing and to have more people praying is so very, very important. Um, so thanks for the opportunity to do that. We're going to look at a story which, for those of us who uh, have known Jesus for a while um, and know that the Gospels, will be a familiar story to us. Um, for those of us who are just kind of new to understanding Jesus or are kind of on a journey with that, I, I hope what we say would explain some good things to you. So we're going to be going from Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 1, if you want to find that. Um, so in the, in the New Testament, which is kind of like the back third of your Bibles, if you're trying to find it, you've got Matthew, then you've got Mark. This story is in more than one of the Gospels, but we're going to read it from Mark. And it's near the, right near the beginning of our account of Jesus. So you have in our Bibles, some of the Gospels talk about Jesus' birth and everything that happened then. Um, and then they jump to this. Someone called John the Baptist, uh, he is called by God, he's a preacher. He's a bit like one of the Old Testament prophets. And he's saying to people, get ready because Jesus is coming, the Christ is coming. Uh, the one promise from God is coming um, and John the Baptist is preaching many people are listening to him he's baptizing people in water um, so b- baptism happened before Jesus came but Jesus wants to be baptized as well because this baptism is from God it signifies surrendering to God it signifies saying God my life belongs to you and even though Jesus is God's son And he doesn't have to ask God for forgiveness for everything. He wants to be baptized. That's the story we're going to read. Mark 1, verse 9. At that time, this is the time of John the Baptist, that's what it's referring to, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. A voice came from heaven, you are my son, who I love, with you I am pleased. At once the Spirit sent him, Jesus, into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with wild animals and angels attended him. That's all we'll read. So an uh, amazing story, there's a lot in there. Heaven was torn open, I think, what did that look like? Is so it just kind of like a sudden flash of light, a gap in the sky? Who knows? Um, but a dove comes, but people know it's the Holy Spirit. And then God says, this is my son. I'm pleased with him. I love him. Um, and then he goes into the desert, and it says Satan tempted him. And that story is where Satan says to Jesus, look, if only you do this or this or this, I'll give you, I'll give you power over all the nations. I'll give you power over all the world. That's what you've come for. Um, I'll tell them to worship you if you turn stones into bread or if you do this or do this. And he puts him under pressure. And each time, Jesus says, look, that's not God's plan. It's not how it works. That's not what God says in his word in the Old Testament. What I want to look at is what God says to Jesus, his son. Um, This phrase, you're my son whom I love. With you, I'm well pleased. That's the bit of the story I want us to focus on. And here's my question. Why is God pleased? Why is God so pleased with Jesus? So let's just look at, remind ourselves what's happened, and to help some of us who don't know the New Testament so well. So in the Bible, God has promised that he's going to work. He's promised that he is going to act and do something to overcome wickedness and evil in the world. Some people think this is going to be like a political king that's going to come. Um, God has said that there will be another one like King David from the Old Testament that will come. And then uh, an angel comes to Mary and says, Mary, you're going to give birth to the promised one. You're going to give birth to the Christ. You're going to give birth to the one who's going to rescue. Mary's not married at this point. The Holy Spirit is going to work a miracle. Um, And so Mary and Joseph do get married. Jesus grows up. His earthly dad. Joseph is a carpenter. So makes things with wood, tables, chairs, benches, tools. Um, And that's where Jesus is for many, many years. We get a couple of stories of when Jesus went to the temple, when he was circumcised, and how he got left behind studying with the teachers and all the scrolls. But we don't know much until this point. So the story is God has sent his son and there's mystery in this for some of you thinking hang on the Trinity I've never understood that Um, if it helps I don't either I think it's fair to say Stuart or Mel in terms of we don't understand it it's a mystery it's the glory of God that he exists truly one but in three distinct uh, beings as well God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit and they've been together from eternity And God says to the son, I want you to go, you're the rescuer, you're the Christ, you go, you become a baby, you grow in the womb of a woman, and then when you're older, you will rescue the world through your death and resurrection. That's the story, that's what we're joining in on this very specific detail. And in this, hello, I think he understands the Trinity. We'll go over to him, and uh, Jesus did say, you have to be like children to enter into his kingdom, that childlike trust and faith. So why then, at this point in the story, Jesus is about 30 years old. He's worked with his father in his father's workshop as a carpenter. Not a great paid job. They're not rich. They're not a well-off family. They've experienced a lot of rejection from people because everyone knows that Jesus isn't Joseph's biological son. Why at this point does God come and say, this is my son and I'm pleased with him? Lots of people, you may have heard this answer if you've been around church for a while, lots of people say, look, Jesus hasn't healed anyone yet. He's not preached yet. He's not done any miracles yet. Isn't it beautiful that God, his father, says to him, hey, I'm just pleased with him. That's my boy. I love him, I'm pleased with him. And how all of us can take comfort from that because God is pleased with Jesus before he's done anything, so God's pleased with you before you've done anything. So let's enjoy the pleasure of God. Just as God loves Jesus and says, hey, I'm pleased with you, so God is pleased with each of us. Have you heard that said before, some of you? I've heard it, and it's lovely. And it, it's a beautiful truth that God accepts us and receives us just as we are. But to say, God is saying to Jesus, I'm pleased with you, and Jesus hasn't done anything yet, is rubbish. It's not the story. It's because so often in the West, we will read, we will dip into stories we do it with the Bible. We don't read the whole story. We just read bits of the story. And people read this on its own and say, look, Jesus hasn't healed anyone. Turn the pages over in Mark's gospel. And in a minute, when he comes out of the desert, he heals whole towns. He's preaching. He's feeding crowds of people. And before he does that, God's pleased with him. We always read forward to the next bit. What about what's happened so far? Jesus has been on the planet for 30 years. There's an awful lot of what's gone on for God to say he's pleased with him. And before he was on the planet, he was with God in eternity forever and ever. In perfect relationship with him. Here's my answer to why I think God is saying to Jesus and to us why he's pleased with him. Because for 30 years, Jesus lived... Within limits of being a person just waiting for his father's time. Think about who Jesus is. Think about what the Bible tells us. Jesus has lived with his father and the Holy Spirit in heaven, in his presence, where there's no evil, there's no injustice, there's no oppression, there's no wickedness, there's no tears. There's none of the stories that I have just told through that presentation of war and difficulty. Jesus has lived in how life was meant to be perfection. And he leaves that and comes to this sin-infested, evil, wicked, broken world. And he lives in it for 30 years. Just waiting, waiting, making a table, making a bench, making tools. Just living in a place called Nazareth which lots of people said. You get this in one of the other stories. Does anything good come out of Nazareth? Kind of almost spitting, spitting on it. Nazareth, that terrible place. Jesus, we don't know who your father is. People say it's Joseph, but we know it isn't. Jesus has lived for 30 years. The Bible tells us all things were created through Jesus. He was there at the beginning. The, the world was created through God and through the Son, and through the Holy Spirit. You see it in Genesis, in the beginning. God says, let us make. So Jesus was with him. It tells us in the Bible, all things were made through Jesus. Jesus made all this world. He was with God, speaking when everything came into being. All the trees that Jesus spent 30 years carving, and sandpaper, and making into tables, he made those trees in the beginning. It was him who said, let there be amazing trees, oak trees, sycamore trees, cedar trees. Let there be trees everywhere. And now he's learning how to cut them. The creator who made everything is now making a few tables. And no one knows he's there other than his mum and his father in heaven and some angels. And for 30 years, Jesus is just living, doing the ordinary, being like everybody else. The story tells us that. This isn't a great insight. I didn't get this because I know the Greek. I don't know any Greek. It's all in the story. But we don't always read the whole story. We just zoom in and read one particular bit. The other thing why we read it this way, and and this really doesn't help us sometimes, which is why I, I felt it right to teach on this this morning, is so often in... Christianity so often in churches like ours. We're always living for the breakthrough. We're always longing for something awesome to happen. We're always profiling something mega happened. We're always believing for a huge breakthrough that's going to affect Sutton Coldfield or Birmingham or our nation. We're profiling on social media the mega stories or the mega ministries. Christian TV is huge. There's not many programs that just talk about a bloke making chairs. Doesn't, doesn't make good telly. Let's do the conferences. Let's do the big stuff. And most of us live in that world and, or kind of shape that way and read our Bibles that way. So we think, here's the baptism, look what happens next. Jesus goes to a village, the sick are healed. He goes to another one. Read this in Mark. The disciples are looking for him. Jesus, all the crowds will come out to you. They want you to heal them. Jesus says, I'm going to the next place. And then there's more miracles. Blind eyes open, paralyzed people walking, crowds fed. Oh, it's awesome. And before he does that, God says he's pleased. God's pleased with Jesus. Yeah, of course, because of his love. And God's a good father, but he 's pleased with Jesus because he spent 30 years living within limits. He's God. He knows purity and justice and goodness and righteousness, and he 's living in a broken world that doesn't know those things. He spoke and everything was made and formed. He has infinite power He's God. All those people that criticize him and criticize his family and say, oh, we know what Jesus is. He's not Joseph's. Shame on you. Shame on your family. He could have in a moment summoned angels from heaven and even Caesar, the Roman oppressive occupier, would have bowed. He could have done that in a moment. He could have done that when he was 5, 10, 15, 20. But he doesn't. He's with his mum and his earthly dad making tables, sanding wood chopping it, fetching water, hanging out with people. And God turns up and says, hey, I'm pleased. I'm pleased. what God wants to say to us this morning? He's pleased with the ordinary obedience. He's pleased with faithful living. He's pleased with mums who are weary this morning because you've worked hard trying to raise your children. He's pleased with people who have, been commuting to work and work long hours and what you really could have done was a few hours extra in bed this morning but you made it here because you know worshipping with God's people matters he's pleased with those you're at school and people laugh at you because you came here on a Sunday and you wish you fitted in more and you wished your mates weren't so hassled with you because you like Jesus and love him he's pleased He's pleased when people see stuff on social media and that can make them feel second-rate, second-class, but then they choose to think differently and realize, no, I'm living this way because of Jesus. God says to that, here's my children with whom I'm pleased. It's godly to live within limits. It's godly to live within your season in life, your situation, even the pressures and the difficulties and even things you're longing for God to change and longing for a miracle for, it's godly to live one day at a time within those limits. Raising a family isn't a limit from God. Not having the job of your dreams isn't a limit. It's where God has got you. And God was well pleased with Jesus because for 30 years, as God himself, as God's son, as God in human form, Jesus lived within those limits. Does that make some sense? Do you see where we get that from the story? The Son of God can do anything. Lived within limits. The reason why this is so important is because our world, our culture, 21st century Western culture, is always telling us there's more. He's always telling us there's more to attain. He's always telling us life can look more glossy, or there's more technology you can play with, or there's better cars to drive, or better clothes. That life will always look better, and not to be defined by limits, but to push beyond your limits and to break through. And when you look on social media, everybody else's children are always more shiny and more achieving than you, and always run the class award that week more than yours has, and everything else. Or, the, or your job's not good enough, or where you hang out's not good enough, or there's more events you should be going to, or there's more stuff you can do with your money or life can just look so much more shiny and glossy and social media comes in off the back of that so we've lived with it for years in terms of advertising but now social media it's on that little device you carry in your pocket messages that are telling you that life isn't you're not achieving enough you're not good enough you're not bright enough shiny enough smiley enough pretty enough your hair's not in the right place praise god that doesn't bother me so much easier i just go for this (coughs) never have a bad hair day just a bad hair life but at least you know what it's going to do in the morning. Although when you get to my age, it's the eyebrows. They're scary. Uh, how do we get there? And that little device in your pocket, messages coming through, and even messages from friends who you love and care for. And every message which is coming through is push beyond limits. Don't settle for where you are. Life could be better. Work could be better. Family could be better. Kids could be better. Education could be better. And we end up striving and not content and wishing there was more. What's more, the church adds to it. Because then messages come and say, and I've seen this on a a ministry that I value and have benefited from. And and one of the taglines on the ministry at the moment is all about how God has chosen you for destiny. And you need to get hold of that because God's going to do amazing things through you. So even in the church now, come on, you've got to believe more, you've got to take more, we've got, to, got ground to take, and Birmingham needs to know, and Sutton needs to know, and the church needs to fulfill its destiny, and if you believe more and had more faith and laid hold of things more, then your life could be different, and maybe we would see revival and breakthrough, and we see what we see in the New Testament. And so wherever we look, this message can come that ends up making us feel that our season at the moment or our job or the constraints of what we're facing is something to be broken and moved beyond and pushed through and there's more stuff to lay hold of on the other side. It's not godly. It's not what pleases him. Contentment. Being at rest. Knowing God in what you're doing and what you're living with now is what attracts the pleasure of God. Just let that settle on you this morning. Don't misunderstand me. Of course we believe for miracles. Wonderful testimony of a healed shoulder. Wonderful that in the middle of our worship we say God is here. Let's ask him for things. Absolutely. Of course we believe in a God who can change something in a moment. Of course we believe in a God who can heal sick bodies there would be all kinds of prayers around this room we could go down row after row and there'd be all kinds of legitimate genuine things that we're longing for God to change and break in on absolutely and we must pursue those because Jesus does go from this place and do incredible things in the name of God He is the the Messiah. He is the one who's come to rescue us from sickness and oppression and injustice. But the danger is we get it out of balance and end up constantly hearing messages, there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more. Come on, where are you? There's more. Keep reaching and end up living with a dissatisfaction, an emptiness, a tiredness, and a weariness. And I meet so many weary, tired, close to burnout believers in Jesus. And he said, I've come to give you rest. I've come to give you life in abundance. And we can live between two places, kind of over here, ending up... Just, uh, just, life is so busy, so much going on, I'll fit church in, I'm, I might make a prayer meeting, but I'm just doing life, and I'll, and I'll just keep going for my job, and, and just settle for, for just middle class life, or the other end of the spectrum is kind of, come on, let's go for it, it's not settle. look what God's doing in the world, look at that presentation, look what he's doing, it's, come on church, let's go, there's more to be taken hold of, and we can off, do you recognize that? It's kind of a crude kind of spectrum. And we can end up thinking, where do I live? Am I living in the ordinary, but I don't want to settle, I know there's more. Or do I live at this place? But, oh, this place is tiring and hard work, especially when you get to my age. That's a cue for some of you to admit your, your age and say, yeah. And also what can happen is you can look back and think, well, I don't know if I've got the energy anymore because I'm a bit disappointed. I was in meetings where huge words were given or I received prophetic words about what God was going to do and that was years ago and I don't know if I can just keep going anymore. Maybe it's another generation. Maybe that prophetic word wasn't right. We need to learn that following Jesus is following all of Jesus' life. Yes, breakthroughs. Yes, in a moment, God comes. Yes, in a moment, God says, pray for that sick person and they're healed. But also, Jesus spent 30 years living in daily obedience at home with no one really knowing he was there. And yet God said, I'm really, really pleased with this. Jesus had learned what it was to be content with God's plan. He was waiting for when God would tell him. We're not told what that looked like. We're not told how did he work out at the age of 30-ish from what we can work out. Now it was time to go public. We, we don't know how he worked that out. But there's enough clues for us. It says in John chapter 5 that Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. He only did what he saw his heavenly father wanting him to do. And that's in the context of healing and miracles. Jesus was content with God's plan. This is a huge lesson for us. You see, people, great heroes who we honor now in the Bible had to learn this. People like Abraham. God comes to Abraham and says, Through you, all the nations will be blessed. This is a story from the Old Testament. Through you, all the nations, the whole world, it's going to be blessed. Whoever you bless, I will bless. Whoever you curse, I will curse. Um, and your descendants have got a number greater than the stars. And Abraham was too old to have children. His wife was too old to have children. It's an incredible promise. And you think, wow, breakthrough's coming. We're going to have kids. And the whole world's going to know about it. 25 years it took before they had their first child. 25 years. Talk about learning to live within limits. God's given a promise, a promise of destiny, a promise which is going to shape the world, 25 years. And during that time, Abraham wandered off course. He lied about who his wife was. He slept with his servant girl trying to make it happen, and yet God was faithful. And God kept coming to him saying, Abraham, if you believe me, believe me. Don't do it your way. Believe me, believe me, believe me. And that was the lesson Abraham had to learn to the point that in the New Testament... He's held up as a hero of faith, a hero of what it meant to believe God and not do it in his strength and his way. Moses was the same. A bit later on in the story, Moses uh, ended up having to leave Egypt. He got involved with a fight with some Egyptians who were oppressing Moses' people, the Hebrews, and he ended up killing one, and he had to flee. And then God comes to him and says, now, Moses, now you can go back and rescue my people. Now you can go back. Where had Moses been? He'd been in the desert for about 40 years. Just waiting, hidden away. Waiting to understand when it was God's time, when it was God's plan, when it was God's moment, then you rescue. Then it's time to act. Then it's time to step out. Then it's time to be bold and courageous. Meanwhile, Moses is in the desert for 40 years waiting. David, the youngest of all his brothers, when the prophet comes to make him king... Um, They don't know that's what's going to happen. He says to Jesse, David's father, go and get your sons for me. And Jesse fetches them together. David's left in the field. They don't even bother bringing him. He's the youngest. What does a prophet want with the youngest? He just cares for sheep. And yet he was the one. It was years before he got to be king. It was years before he got to take that throne. The current king chases after him, wants him dead. And David had to wait God's time, God's way. And David, who acted for God, he defeated Goliath, he acted in a godly way, so he had some public recognition, but he waited until God said, now's the time. Again and again, there are stories in the Bible of people who we honor now and think, what heroes of the faith. But when you look at their lives, they had to learn to be content with God's plan, God's timing, and God's way. Does God want breakthrough? Of course he does. Does God want all of Sutton, Birmingham, our nation, knowing about his son Jesus? Of course he does. Is that going to happen through the church? Of course it is. Have you got a part to play in that story? Of course you have. Do your longings and burdens for your family to know Jesus, or your office to come to know Jesus, or your schoolmates to know Jesus, does God know that and listen to that? Of course he does. But we need to learn to be content with his plan. And his way and his timing and for all of Jesus's life he shows us that and too often particularly churches like ours who believe in the supernatural who know God is still working now we're not worshipping a dead book we're following a living God who's still rescuing healing and setting people free the danger is our focus becomes more on that that we miss listen to me carefully, the daily joy of knowing God in the ordinary. Because that, see, that's how this is going to happen. Does God want this to happen? This is part of your vision. Yes, he does. And over here, it talks about it happening through ordinary people. And all I'm adding, you don't have to add it to this, this is fine. In ordinary ways, believing God for breakthroughs. So the world is changed with breakthrough, with supernatural, with healing, like we gave testimony to this morning. Oh, absolutely. But it's also changed as you faithfully follow him in your work, as you live differently from those around you. And people say, oh, I've noticed. Because people do this. They did it to me when I had a proper job and didn't hang out with Christians all the time. When I had a proper job, people notice I worked differently. I had different values. It took ages before I knew that. We were at someone's leaving do. Some, a few drinks were going on. And this guy who was so cynical and, and you couldn't have a spiritual conversation with him, it took a few pints for him to open up. But he started talking to me about how he noticed that my faith was real because I worked differently from anybody else. And I'd never had a conversation with him because he was too cynical. And he'd be the first to mock. That's how change comes as well. That's how Sutton gets to know there's a saviour. Because of how you raise your children. Because of how you live. Because of your daily trust in him. That's how Birmingham and this nation gets to know there's a Lord. Not simply through the big mega stories or the big platforms or the big ministries. But through you. Faithfully being content with God's plan in God's time. That's why God was pleased with Jesus. We need to learn to live in the now, in the present, with God in daily obedience, doing faithfully what he has asked us to do. When I was, when did I read this? I think it was in my 20s, maybe my late teens, and just longing for to see more, longing for Promises I'd had or dreams I had for God, longing to see more happen and constantly looking, oh if I was there or if I was in this place or I got involved in this church plant and I read something in a daily devotional, I've never forgotten it. It said this, you're no good to God where you're not. You're no good to God where you're not. We can spend so long thinking, well, if my job was different, or if I was church planting, or if I was doing this and it was more exciting, or my family were different, or this was different, or this was... Listen, God's got you right where he wants you. Live for him. Live for him. And if he wants you moving somewhere else, or he's got things, you know, you hear some of these stories I'm telling from other nations, and you're thinking, one day I want to be there, or I know God's going to use me to reach a particular people group... Go for it. Talk to leaders about it. Believe it. Pray for it. But God will get you there when he is ready. Live in the present. Do what he's given you to do right now because that is the pleasure of God. Because God will look at a church and look at a person and say, look, see how they're working See how the time and energy they're they're giving to raising their family. Look at how they're faithfully contributing to building the church. Look at this kind of stuff they're doing in their office. They don't think it counts so much, but I see it. It counts a huge amount. That gets my pleasure. Oh, I love the stories. Your story, the miracle, fantastic. Let's keep telling those. I said to Mel after she sat down from the work, I said, Mel, that was excellent. Just so straightforward. Get up. Here's a story. Let's reach out to God for healing and let's keep worshipping. Almost ordinary, except it isn't. Absolutely keep doing that. But let's make sure we're also believing for God to work in the ordinary as you do the everyday. Because that, that was enough for the Messiah. 30 years. That was God's rescue plan. Someone once said, this isn't my phrase, but I'll steal it. It's good. You know, we all know why Jesus died. Do we know why he lived? Now, part of his living was to heal. Part of his living was to say, hey, the kingdom of God has come. But part of his living was to show faithful obedience to what the Father is saying. So Jesus was content with God's plan. But how how did he know? How did he know what God's plan was? Well, clearly he knew his voice. He listened. He knew. Why now? Why not when he was 29? Why now is he going to be baptized? John the Baptist has been preaching for a while. Why not delay another year? How did he know? There's another time where Jesus has done some teaching. The religious leaders don't like it. And it says they come to kill him. And Jesus walked away and he said, it's not my time yet. He knew one day they would come for him and he would surrender his life. But in that story, he says, it's not my time. And he just walks through the crowds, walks away. There'd be another time, when he wouldn't walk away. He'd be arrested. Peter would try and rescue him and get his sword out and strike one of the guards. And Jesus would say, Peter, put it away. And does a healing. Amazing. In the middle of being arrested. He knew then it was his time. But there's another time he just walks away. Jesus knew his father's voice. Let's learn to listen. Listen in the now. Not just be longing for the next thing. Or not devaluing what we're doing now, but to know we're where God wants us. Let's learn to listen to his voice. And you think, well, I I try and listen. I try and take a few minutes out each day, open my Bible and listen. And all I think about is what I've got to put on the shopping list. Or, Or when I'm going to get the packed lunch done for the kids tomorrow. That's all I, just don't stop. You'll learn to hear his voice. You'll learn. Just keep going. Don't give up. God will speak. Put, your, put yourself in the way of his voice in terms of reading his word or listening to teaching or listening to worship. But it can be in the ordinary too. It can be as you're walking to school or walking to work. Say, God, I, I need to know your presence. I want to know you speaking to me. And don't just be looking for his big, audible voice as you're walking to work. Steve, this is God. You're on your way to school, but I'd like your attention. Oh. Often he'll just speak through your thoughts, just speak through the ordinary. Often you'll just be more aware that what you're doing is pleasing him or you're in the right place. That, that's how it's worked for me. There have been times when there's been a clearer thought. And I thought, wow, where did that come from? That's probably God. I've never heard an audible voice. But there have been clearer, strong thoughts that come in my mind. I thought, that's not me, that's God. But other times it's just that quiet sense of him being with me and him being okay with what I'm doing or him wanting my attention, if that makes sense. I'm trying to be really practical here. But Jesus knew his Father's voice. Take time listening. That's the miracle. That's the beginning of miracles, is when you know his voice. You see, one of the things we need to understand, and the church needs to understand this, God has rescued the world and is rescuing the world. It's his work. He doesn't need us to rescue anything. He doesn't need us to change anything. He's doing it. He's working already. Jesus died on the cross, was risen to life again, totally defeating the power of death, and it says he then ascended, and in Ephesians, right the way through all the powers, and is ruling over all things for the church. That's believers of Jesus. He's ruling over all things for you. In your work, in your uni, in your college, in your school, in your family, in your circumstances. Jesus is ruling over all things for the church. He's doing it. It's his plan, his way, his time. He is working. Hallelujah. Come on, expect a bit more of a response. You've just gone quiet on me. He is working. He is ruling. He is reigning. He is doing it. He's done it. He's won the victory. And he's still working that out in all the world. And our job is to join in. It doesn't rest on us. He's not looking at Sutton and thinking, Oh, goodness sake, real life church. When are you going to get with the plan? Look at all these things that need to happen. Quick, let's have an emergency angel council meeting. Look, I'm sorry, Sutton just... It's not making it happen. Come on, get with... That doesn't work like that. But sometimes the way we teach, the way we exhort people to go for it, you think it does rest on us. It doesn't. God's doing it. How many of my stories from really dark places in the world began with Jesus, all of them. Jesus appeared in dreams. Jesus came to people in prison. Jesus filled people with his Holy Spirit. Now, sure, there's followers of him who are ready to harvest, but he's doing the work. Our job is to join in what Jesus is already doing, and that brings so much release. So he knew his voice. He knew his ways. You see, God's power, we're going to finish on this one. It's a difficult one. God's power and victory and overcoming the world come through sacrifice and come through hardship and come through pain. That's what we see happen in Jesus' life. The victory came as Jesus laid his life down. Some of the things, the stories I told you, in the darkest places of the world, where there's immense suffering and evil, we're seeing the greatest victories of the gospel. There's no big conference ministry making it happen. There's no anointed one man or or one woman kind of making these things happen. Jesus is working in some of the suffering and pain of the world. And we need to know God, be content with God's plan. We need to know his voice. We also need to be content with his ways. Yes, there's the breakthrough. Yes, there's the suddenly where God comes. But there's also, God works really powerfully when you sacrifice, when you surrender, when you say, all right, God, not my way. I want it to be your way. And this so challenges our culture when it comes to our individualism and what should make you happy and your rights and what your life should look like. Just before I came out this morning, with this message still very much in my mind, there's an advert on the telly for a diet soft drink, especially for this summer. And the tagline at the end of the advert was, Summer, your way. Really? Is that what life is now? Hey, summer can be my way. I want summer to be my way. Apparently this drink's going to help make that happen. But regardless of the power of this drink, which is pretty awesome, it's a diet drink, so I think it'll be disgusting. But anyway, that's just me. (coughs) Some of you get that point. So regardless of the power of this drink, it was the tagline that summer has to be about me. And my way. And presumably, Stuart's got a summer as well. So he can have it his way. And Mel. Let's hope they agree. Otherwise, it's going to be a tricky summer in their house. Do you get the point? We just imbibe this now. This is how it works. This is what products are for. It's for your way. Your destiny. Your life. The gospel is God's way. His life. His rule. His plan. His plan. His timing, his victory, his glory. If you've never settled this, then settle this this morning, when we head into worship in a few minutes, it's not about you. It's not about us. It's about him. And the wonder of it is is that as he works and we surrender, his love, his peace, his goodness, his righteousness comes to you and enriches your life beautifully regardless of what the circumstances are and in that way it's about you but too often the church flips it and says come on Jesus has got blessing for you he's got destiny for you, he's got good things for you God's your father you've got his pleasure, there's intimate and all of this and we, we end up with a 21st individualistic message in the gospel that it's it's God blessing me of course he does that but the way into that is through surrender saying God this isn't my story actually it's your story that's why God said to his son I'm really pleased with him because he left his story in perfection and glory and righteousness and came to this broken world You think about how small Jesus became. You think about how vulnerable Jesus became. You think about birth and a mother carrying a baby. You think about medicine and healthcare in that day. Very, very few children lived beyond one year in terms of mortality rates back at that time and healthcare. And Jesus entered the world that way and for 30 years just lived in daily obedience that's surrender and you and I can do that in the middle of difficulty and hardship say God it's your ways it's your plans God I'd like you to change the situation or I'd like you to work in my family or I'd like you to do this in my work but I'm not gonna strive push through lay hold of some kind of promise or something that's got to change it's surrender Because through surrender, through death, through sacrifice, fruitfulness, resurrection and hope comes. That's the gospel story. And that's how we get to live with rest. That's how we get to live with contentment. Know God's plan. Be content with it. Know his voice. Know his timing. Know his ways. Surrender and you'll know rest. And you'll hear God say, hey, this is my son. This is my daughter. I'm pleased with them because they're knowing me in the ordinary. Let's stand, shall we? Can we have the the band out? They're going to lead us. I just want us to pray and then the band are going to lead us in a way that we can respond. As we worship, God will speak to us. Some of you with prophetic gifts be ready to know his voice. See if there's specific ways that God wants to work. But I... I know this is the kind of message which is going to apply to lots of us in different ways. Um, let's make the most of the next 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Of If you need to, just go through that surrender thing again. God, uh, yeah, I've been, I've been kicking a bit. I've been fighting you a bit. Lord, I'm sorry. Or if you've been over this place of that spectrum I did, where it's kind of, actually, I've stopped believing for stuff. I've just letting life go by. I need to wake up a little bit I need to be more active in living out my faith daily then come back to him on that or if you're over this side of the spectrum and just been feeling more worn out and tired let rest come to you let him come to you with rest hear his pleasure know that he's not asking you to do a load of stuff simply asking you to know him in the ordinary. So however you need to respond. And we'll let God speak to us. As I said, there may be prophetic words, but right now let me pray for all of us. And then as I say amen, the band will pick this up and we'll worship. Holy Spirit, I thank you, you're here. I thank you, God, that your love for everyone, as was said at the beginning in worship, because of your love for us, you, you demonstrated your love in sending your son. Thank you that we don't have to doubt your love for any of us here. Now, Holy Spirit, will you come to every life and every heart as we reach out to you? If we need fresh strength, come and empower us. If we're just weary, all the stuff I said about social media and trying to keep up, Lord, we want to hear your voice. We want to hear your pleasure this morning. We don't want to be a church shaped by what everybody else thinks. It's your voice that matters. So we welcome you, Holy Spirit. You've been with us all morning, but come and do your work now as we worship Jesus, as we worship the Rescuer, as we worship the one who's ruling and reigning over all things. We want to receive as well. Amen.